there and welcome to PMI Cast, the only UK podcast devoted to private medical insurance. I'm your host, Phil Knight, and let's get started. Hi there and welcome to PMI Cast, the only podcast in the UK devoted completely to private medical insurance. My name is Phil Knight, I'll be your host. I am an independent healthcare consultant based in the north of England and I advise clients on private medical insurance, both individual and corporate clients in the UK and around the world. Welcome to episode number 63 of PMI Cast, recorded on the 11th of February 2015. Um, Back to normal service uh, in this fortnight's episode. So we'll be talking a little bit about my business blog, localventure.blogspot.com. We'll cover a segment for introducers, my professional advisor clients, IFAs, accountants, solicitors, really any professional advisor that subcontracts me to provide advice for their clients on private medical insurance. And you'll know from previous podcasts, this is becoming an increasingly important part of my business. Um, So there's a segment for introducers. We also have a more generalized private medical insurance section talking about the ins and outs and intricacies of private medical insurance. And then usually we'll cover off some kind of relevant news item. So pretty much all those segments included today and, as I say, back to normal service for our second podcast of the new year and still more or less within our fortnightly recording schedule as well. So, first of all, I try and tie the podcast in where I can to things I'm talking about on my business blog, which you'll find at all the W's, localventure.blogspot.com. If you visit the blog, um, there's a couple of, uh, of recent posts that I'd like to mention. First of all, um, there are two posts on the 4th of February, both relating to work with introducers. First of all, there's a transcript of a video I uploaded towards the back end of last week talking about work with introducers. More on that in the news section later on. And there's also a small piece on introducer iPhase, which again is worth checking out if you have a moment. Um, the other relevant post over the last couple of weeks is one that I put up on the 29th of February and my wife had to make a small claim on her private medical insurance um, over the last week or two and nothing too serious and all resolved now Um, but um, I had to um, go with her to be the designated driver um, following a small procedure so the uh, the post talks a little bit about the experiences in uh, the private hospital and really why there are massive advantages of having private medical insurance so if you're thinking about buying private medical insurance and not quite sure what the value of it is that's what that post on the 29th of january really talks about and i will touch on a little bit of that a little bit later in the podcast as well so first of all let's move on to introducers um in terms of, of working with introducers, one of the questions that I'm often asked are, what kind of clients can I advise on private medical insurance? Who can who can I refer to, in other words? And there's, there's a variety of clients, small corporates, virtually any small corporate, whether they have medical insurance at the moment, whether they're interested in it, whether they've never even heard of it, you can refer me a small corporate client and let me get cracking on making some more money and helping the client get the right private medical insurance. Individuals, massive array of the types of individual clients that we can help. Um, Older clients, clients have had the cover but haven't had it reviewed for a number of years. 
clients who are quite young because the premiums will be very, very low, clients that have had bad experiences with the NHS or have had family members that have had bad experiences. There are, there are dozens of different segments of clients that we can help with private medical insurance, but I'm going to focus specifically on one area today. High net worth clients, or rather those clients that have some kind of investment. As we move towards the uh, tax year end, uh, most IFAs are thinking about their investment clients and their pensions clients and getting things in within the tax schedules and the, the dates set by the revenue and so forth. So uh, 4th and 5th of April, I know is a busy time of year for investment clients. And I think one of the things that occurs to me is if you have a client who has a decent amount of investments, a decent amount of income coming off those investments, they can probably, if they're going to have private medical insurance, not go for the bog standard £1,000 outpatient refund, £100 excess type plan. What they should be considering is very bare bones, stripped down outpatient cover with a high excess but full cover for inpatient and day case procedures. And the reason is that the low cost stuff is the outpatient element of a private medical insurance claim. The initial consult with a doctor that costs £120 for the first hour, blood screening, MRI, CTs, these are expensive scans, but we're all talking something in the region of less than £1,000 to make an outpatient diagnostic type claim, generally speaking. And the kind of client that has lots of money invested, a decent investment income, can afford to pay for that outpatient cover. They can also afford to pay for a decent level of excess. And with modular private medical insurance now, many insurers have excesses of £500 or more per person per annum or per person per claim. And the reason I suggest this for investment clients is even though they have the money there and they may have a decent income, they don't want to type a lot of that income, a lot of that investment paying for an expensive private medical insurance plan. So we know they can pay if they need to make a claim. But on a day-to-day -day basis, we want to keep the premiums as low as possible. And cutting out a lot of outpatient benefit and cutting out, or rather adding in, an excess at a higher level keeps the private medical insurance premiums way down. The, the scenarios I'm talking about having none or a very low outpatient level of cover and a 500 or a £1,000 excess will slash premiums by 50 60% in some cases. So if you have investment clients... And if they either have existing cover, probably with an axe of PPP or a BUPA, or they're thinking about the cover, we should probably go low benefits, even though they're probably a high net worth client. The only thing we would tend to protect is the is the inpatient and day case cover, because that's where it really does get expensive to pay for an operation or a procedure. So if you have investment clients who are thinking of medical insurance or who have it but are paying way too much and it's denuding the level of investment income they're getting, we can definitely help them. So that's, a, I suppose, a segmentation stroke sales idea for my introducers. Moving on to private medical insurance more generally. I've got two words of warning. First of all, I've had an issue with a client in the last couple of, uh, of weeks where um, she signed an application form prior to the start date of the cover. So let's just say it was start date 1st of February and she signed the application form on the 15th of January. So there's a two-week gap between when the form was signed and when the, uh, app, when the, the cover started. This person, this lady... Um, subsequently went to the doctor between to the GP 
between the 15th of the month and the start of the new plan. And as a result, potentially laid herself open to having an extra exclusion added to her plan. Now, as it turned out, it was a switch cover. The, um, the issue that she visited the GP about wasn't related to something she later subsequently needed to make a claim on, but it was a little bit squeaky for a while. We were worried that she wasn't going to be covered for the particular condition that she was claiming for. It transpired that the condition she saw the GP about wasn't connected, therefore it was all okay. And it was a switch case, and it was more complicated than that, really. But the general piece of advice is, if you are signing an application form, which in insurance terms, in general insurance terms, you're signing in utmost good faith to say, this is the situation, this is where I am now. If things change between the date you sign the application and when the contract changes, even though you didn't tell the insurer about it, they can go back and they can enforce anything that they would have included on your on your, uh, on your your plan documentation if they'd known that information. And this can cause all sorts of issues from cancelling the policy to declining, declining claims and, and lots of nasty things. So if something happens between when you sign and send me the application form, but before the plan starts, please, please, please tell me. And in a similar vein, and I've talked about this on the uh, on the podcast on many occasions, but if you don't send me your application forms back, you are not on cover. I've got a client who came to me, well, I was reviewing in September and October. We eventually got to the point where we had a plan of attack, uh, the way we were going to set up his corporate and his individual plans in tandem uh, for members of his family and his business. Um... On the 16th of December, I asked him to send the attached applications back and sent him uh, revised quotes, a couple of applications and my terms of business and everything for him to send back. I got him back to say, um, I'm away on holiday, but I will return the documents when I get back, unless you'd like them back now unsigned. And of course, I said, no, unsigned is no, no, that's no good. It's not a contract. We can't set the plans up without the documents. So fine, we'll wait until you get back from holiday after Christmas and we'll set everything up there. So dialed it on for after Christmas, chased him a couple of times and had an email back yesterday from the client saying, oh, I thought everything was up and running, question mark. Well, of course, he hasn't sent the applications back. Nothing is up and running because an insurer will not start a plan without a signed application form, whether it's a scan copy or an original, doesn't matter. We need to create a contract. So again, luckily, there's no claim pending. It's just the client thought he was on cover, and he wasn't. And of course, as I explained to him, I can't do anything until you send the forms back. So that's a really strong word of warning. Don't assume because we've had an email exchange that you're on cover. You have to do what I tell you to do. So please do read the emails if you're a client. Um, the last thing I was going to talk about, um, I mentioned my wife's claim. At, uh, it was actually the Spire Hospital in Roundey um, uh, on the Ring Road in Leeds, West Yorkshire. Nice hospital, quite an old building, but it's been radically updated in the past 10, 12 years. Really good experience. But we had an interesting discussion with one of the nurses who'd worked in the NHS at St. James's Hospital in Leeds for 19 years. And then she'd moved to the Spire uh, and had worked there for the last 20 years. And the reason that she cited for leaving the NHS was because some of the things that she saw non-qualified and junior doctors doing to patients terrified her and she basically thought not only was it a lawsuit waiting to happen but it was also something extremely scary for both her as an 
as a healthcare professional and for the nurses and uh, for the patients rather to, to, to go through. And of course the caveat is that all doctors within the NHS are supervised by um, competent uh, senior doctors, uh, be they consultants or, or registrars, whatever, but of course they're not with them every minute of every day. So things happen that probably shouldn't happen within the National Health Service. And what this nurse was saying to, to us was that the, the relaxation factor for her working in the private sector was that everything that was done by a doctor was done by the consultant. There was never any palming off of responsibility to, to less qualified doctors. So, yeah, you're paying a tax for having private insurance, for, for having access to private treatment. You're paying your private medical insurance premiums. But what you do get is constant access to the consultant when you need it. And if the nursing staff, the healthcare professionals, are saying that that's better, then I really cannot argue with that as, a, um, as an underscore to what I do with clients. It really is quite a positive experience and I can back that up in the last couple of weeks with, with what we've experienced in the private sector as well. So if you don't have private medical insurance and you're thinking about it, now's the time to, to give me the call and you can get a hold of me using the details in the show notes if you're interested in getting some quotes or some pricing, whether you're an individual client or whether you're thinking about making the cover available to your staff as part of a company scheme. Lastly today, let's talk quickly about my YouTube channel, which is called Purely Medical Insurance, purely spelled P-U-R-E-L-Y, shortened to PMI. You can find me. There's a very long and number-heavy URL, which I won't give you in the, in the podcast. But if you go onto YouTube and you just type in Purely Medical Insurance, you will find me at the top of the search. Basically, at the moment, there are four videos. And the aim of, of the channel and the videos that I'll be adding over time is to, I suppose, at one end, it's a begins guide to private medical insurance to talk about some of the bigger issues, what the cover is for, how it works. There are videos focusing on individual cover. There are videos focusing on on small corporate. The fourth one, uh, which I put up on Friday of last week, I think, um, is a, an introduction to my work with introducers. So I've now squared off probably the, the three main areas of advice, individual, corporate, and, and introducer-led business. There are other things that I'll be doing on international and, and various other areas of cover cash plans and, and so forth but those are the main videos that I wanted to get on the channel so phase one of the purely medical insurance YouTube channel project is now complete with more to come later in phases two and three and however many but if you if you are interested in private medical or if you're listening to the podcast as an IFA or an accountant who are thinking yeah maybe Phil talks sense about private medical insurance Maybe I'm interested. The YouTube channel gives you the chance to see me in person, to get the cut of my jib, and also a little bit more detail about, for example, in the last video, how I work with introducers. So definitely worth a watch if you get a chance. So that is the end of the podcast. Um, thanks for listening. Feel free to email me via the podcast at pmicast at gmail.com. If you'd like to comment or participate in the show, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at LocalVenture1 or PhilKnightPCH. And from a regulatory perspective, vitally important, I'm part of Premier Choice Healthcare, who are authorised by the Financial Conduct Authority, FCA number 312878. You can find full details of Premier Choice at www.pch.uk.com. If you also go onto the uh, onto the website there, you'll find my details at uh, the same website uh, and add uh, back 
backslash consultants slash phil dash knights and you'll find me there or you can navigate through the uh, the website so please remember to tell your friends or colleagues about PMICast look out for us on iTunes if you'd like leave us a review and we'll see you next fortnight for episode number 64 thanks for listening <laughs>